I don't know if you saw the North Lanarkshire edition of the Kirky Herald Herald this week. Um, here's what's on the front page. <clears throat> it's the fun day we had. And there's Alec, the gospel magician. It says... Uh, <laughs> I like that. Uh, it says, raising a toast, a popular charity-run cafe has marked its first anniversary in style. Dozens flock to the coffee house in Glen Manor Road, Middlesbrough, enjoying homemade cakes and various activities for children, including a magician, face painter, and a flight simulator. The cafe has proved a success with locals since opening last April. It is part of Nothing Is Impossible Ministries and was created by four volunteers with, with two Cathy Woods. Wood and Nicola Adams managing the shop. Nicola said there there was nowhere in Moody'sburn for people to go, and we noticed the gap. The response from the community has been so positive. An evening meal was also provided for a hundred people who helped build the coffee house. Youngsters are pictured at the party with gospel magician Alec Russell. Isn't that marvellous? And. Uh, what an answer to prayer. God is building his work here. This is going to tie in a bit with my message today. It's not deliberate, but uh, it's good to see the work of the Lord being established, isn't it? And Moody's burn right here, right on the front page of the local newspaper. And we didn't ask for this. They came to us as a good news story. And they decided to put this on the front page. And I'll not tell you that the bottom of the page is bad news. It's all about how Moody's burn and surrounding areas are full of violence. <laughs> But praise the Lord, he is moving in. His kingdom is growing. His church is being established. He's doing a great work. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for these answers to prayer. We thank you, God. We acknowledge the power of the name of Jesus and the prayers of your saints. And we thank you for Laura Ann. We pray that she would continue to be healthy, Lord God, and free from any disease or problem in the name of Jesus. We pray that the family might be continued to draw to yourself, Lord Jesus, for salvation and for restoration. In Jesus' name, we thank you for your power to do that. We thank you for restoring Mavis to feel better health, Lord God. And we just pray for her and Harris as well, Lord God, that you would, you would really just be their strength and their song. In Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for bringing folks back home again safely. We acknowledge your hand in that, looking after people who were stranded in various places, Lord God. Thank you. You're always aware of our circumstances. You're always aware of our needs. And thank you for those people who pray for us and faithfully lift us up before the throne of grace. We thank you for these answers and these people who support. In Jesus' name. And Father, as we come to your word today, we acknowledge that it's your word. And I just ask, Lord, that you would fill this empty vessel. I'm well aware of my own frailties, but I know that you're a strong God. And you just seek an empty vessel to speak freely through. So, Lord, we just pray for cleanliness. And at the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name to speak to us today, Lord. To speak to us directly from your word. Guide everything that happens here in the name of Jesus. I ask it. Amen. Have you ever felt like it would be good just to start all over again? Just start again from scratch. Take a fresh look again at something. If you're like me, your house might need quite a little bit of work done to it. Are you like me? <laughs> Maybe your house is needing a fresh coat of paint. Or some new furniture. Or maybe it could be doing with a right good clear out. You've collected some things along the way. And now they just seem to be taking up much needed space and they're cluttering up the place. Does this sound a little bit familiar? Just a wee bit of <laughs> it is actually to me, and now that I've said all this, Nicola's going to expect me to do something about it. She's been going on at me for a while about that. Uh, 
Maybe, maybe things are even worse than that. And major building works are required. Man, I went to McDonald's in Cumbernauld this week and was surprised to see this site. Looking good, isn't it? Surprisingly, even with barricades up the front door, the entire car park being demolished by something, for no apparent reason, because there's no more space for them to build. I don't know what they're doing, but... It was still open for business, but major rebuilding work's going on there, as you can see, in Cumbernauld. Nicola Baskin, why was I there? (laughs) And uh, what about this place? What a state! What a... Who would be able to do anything with a place like this, Bill? (laughs) Uh, You've had through the keyhole, you know, and they go through the place. Do you imagine what the guy would have said if he'd entered this wonderful establishment in Middiesburg? And uh, he would have probably, I never put up the inside pictures, but man, it was in major need of building works, eh, Bill? Um, just Just a wee tad, basically everything. For the next two weeks, I'm going to be looking at the book of Haggai. You might be wondering, eh, where is it? Well, we sang the song, can you remember? It's in the Old Testament, and you can look look for it just as we're preparing here. But the verses today will be up on the, the screen. And the series for the next two weeks is called this. It's time to rebuild. It's time to rebuild. And this week's message is called Putting God First. In the year 520 BC, it was a year of crisis for Jerusalem. The Jews who had returned from Babylon had hoped for joyful times. But instead of joyful times, they experienced year after year of drought. The result was a food shortage and poverty really had hit them hard. As well as poverty hitting them hard, they had really lost heart. They'd lost their heart to serve the Lord. And the main work that they had had for the Lord there of rebuilding the temple had been put on hold. It was 16 years since they had laid the foundation of the temple and it was far from finished. You know you're far from finished when all you've done is the foundation, don't you? (laughs) You've got quite a bit to go. Now, three centuries earlier to this, Amos had highlighted the warning signs from God, but Israel had been very proud and ignored this warning. In Amos 4, 6, it says, I gave you empty stomachs in every city and lack of bread in every town, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. And this theme runs into the book of Haggai in this exact setting here. Haggai was a prophet and he appears to have been very well known in the local community. Not much is actually said about him in the book here, but one thing is for sure, like all the great prophets before him, he had a passion for God's will and God's cause. Just as Elijah, as we've been hearing about in the last four weeks, just as Elijah had stood for the Lord of Mount Carmel, confronting the people with a decision, so Haggai saw that this generation had to rebuild the temple and everything depended on it. Now, these books are maybe some books that we haven't studied in great depth. Um, To understand the work of these last three prophets, which are Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, as the song goes, we need to look a wee bit back into Jewish history. In 536 uh, BC, Ezra took about 50,000 Jews and returned to the Holy Land. 
they rebuilt the altar for the Lord and started the sacrifice process again. As you know, the old, the old Testament, the old covenant was to do with sacrifices and covering for the sin where the priest would go in there. That was the old covenant, central to the relationship with God. And in 535, the foundation was laid for the temple itself. But then, listen to this, there was considerable opposition. And the work stopped. You know, it's easy to get the work started. You know, when they first arrived in the Holy Land, there was great excitement and people were really dedicated and enthusiastic about the work. But after months of these trials, the famine, the drought, the poverty and opposition... Some of that had lagged behind and eventually the work came to a halt. So if we turn to the book of Haggai, and the verses will be on the screen. I'm reading from the New International Version today. We're going to read chapter 1, verses 1 to 15. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai, to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come for the house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages, only to have them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house, so that I may take pleasure in it and be honoured, says the Lord. You expected much, but see it turned out to be little. What you brought home I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew, and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, and whatever the ground produces, on men and cattle, and on the labour of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai. Because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work in the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month of the second year of King Darius. God will bless his word to us today. Pooing. God first. You see, it's now or never. It's now or never. It starts there by saying in verse 1, In the second year of King Darius, in the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to these two people, Zerubbabel and Joshua. These two people were leaders of the nation. Zerubbabel was the governor of the Jewish community 
and Joshua was a high priest. They had important roles and represented the people. Now, it's really important to note that prophets were not free to add their own words. Just to give us a better understanding of this, I'm going to show a short video from The Stranger on the Road to Emmaus, the Bible study that we've just started on a Wednesday night. This is from the first chapter, and we'll just play a few minutes of that. Thanks. Now, by far the most interesting thing about the Bible is that it claims to be God's own words. Often referred to as Scripture, the Bible states that all Scripture is God-breathed. Now, the whole concept of God breathing out Scripture is a study in itself. Just as when one exhales his breath, and that breath comes from his innermost being, so ultimately, all Scripture is to be viewed as a very product of God Himself. God and His words are inseparable, which is one reason the Bible is often referred to as God's Word. Now, the question is, how did we get it? Well, highly simplified, it can be looked at this way. God told men what he wanted recorded about himself, and those men wrote it down. Most of these men were called prophets. In the Bible is a book written to the Hebrews. And in the first chapter of this book, in verse 1, it says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets. Today, when we think of prophets, we think of those who foretell the future. But in Bible times, a prophet was a messenger who passed on God's words to the people. Sometimes the message had to do with those future events. But more often than not, it was concerned with daily living. God guided the prophets in such a way that what was recorded was precisely what he wanted written. At the same time, God allowed the human writer to record his word, God's word, in the prophet's own unique style, but to do so without error. These men were not free to add their own private thoughts to the message. Neither was it something they dreamed up of their own. In the second book, written by Peter, in the first chapter, the 20th verse, it says this, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along. God was not putting his stamp of approval on some literary effort of man. The phrase, carried along, is used elsewhere in the Bible in reference to the transporting of a paralyzed man. Just as the paralyzed man could not walk by his own power, so the prophets did not write the Bible at their own inclination. The Bible is very clear on this point. It was God's message from the beginning to the end. Now, the prophets wrote God's word. Thank you. It just helps maybe to give us a, an idea in our minds what exactly the situation was here when God was giving a, a word through the prophet Haggai. It's now or never. 
So what is the Lord saying now to his people through the prophet Haggai? Verse 2 says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while this house remains a ruin? What we see here is a clash of priorities. Do you see it? The people say, the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. The Lord says, is this a time for you to be living in your panelled houses while this house remains a ruin? He's pointing out the people's selfishness. They had built their own houses and got on with that. But they were saying it's just not time to build the Lord's house yet. In other words, they were putting themselves ahead of the Lord. Some of the Jews had even had these panelled or sealed uh, houses which would have been great luxuries in the day. Time and effort and finances would have had to be put into it. Now let me just say at this point, it's not wrong to have a nice house. It's not sinful to have things. This is to do with our focus. Our focus should be bigger than our own needs and our own comforts. It's not wrong to, to have things in themselves. The underlying problem is where is our focus and where are our priorities? How can we apply this to our own lives today? Has God maybe clearly asked us to do something? I'm not just talking about a work, a new work or something. But has God asked us to do something? It could be looking after your family better. It could be spending time with folks that you need to spend time with. It could be applying yourself more to your job. It could be dealing with sin. Has God clearly asked us to do something? And our response to that is, the time hasn't yet come to do that yet. I'll get round to it later. I've got some other priorities to be working on at the moment. Now, I can't stand here today and tell you that I'm free from this problem, anything but. And it would be hypocritical and wrong to stand like a holier-than-thou person here that's claiming to be sinless. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and as believers, we still sin and we still fall short. But praise God for his patience with us, He's patient with us all. Aren't you glad about that? He doesn't just wipe, wipe us off the sheet just because we mess up. It's important to realise that balance. And just like he came to his people in the book of Haggai there, he comes to his people today and he asks, why is my house in ruins? Why are you prioritising your own needs when you should be prioritising me? Why are you ignoring my voice? Why are you listening to every other voice in this world, including yourself? This sin is definitely still with us today. Putting our own desires ahead of the will of the Lord. You see, this is a matter of the heart. It was at that time in the past, and it still is. And in order to get to the heart of the matter, we need to be really honest. Honest with ourselves. And honest with God. There's no point in being dishonest with God, is there? There's no point. Because God knows exactly what's in our heart. He knows our thoughts and our motivation. He knows everything about us. But even though he knows all of these things about us, he still loves us. 
Scripture says, before we ever loved Him, He loved us. Isn't that a wonderful truth? But He does know everything. There's no point in being dishonest. If there's dishonesty in your own, even in your own situation there before the Lord, there's no point. There really is no point. But His love that He has for us isn't just a license to say, well, we just can just pull these things off. God's patient and God loves me and I can get round to these things later because of those facts. Actually, God's love for us and his incredible patience with us should drive us to serve him more. Should drive us to sort these things out. To please him. To work wholeheartedly with him, holding nothing back. So moving back to the passage there. First of all, we had it's now or never. Secondly, give careful thought to your ways. In verse 5 it says, Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages, only to put them in a purse with holes in it. I can relate to some of that. (laughs) Oh dear. You should read some of the other translations. They're funny, you know. Your wages just disappear through a hole, some of them say, you know. Uh, but can we relate to some of these statements? I can. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to see them fall through a hole in your purse. These, statement, these statements here are very, very clear and practical, aren't they? But let's give careful thought to what God might be saying to us today about this. As he says, give careful thought to your ways. The message continues in verse 7. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountain and bring down timber and build this house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honoured, says the Lord. So he says, go up into the mountains. And bring down timber and build the house. And why is this to be done? It's to be done so that he can take, God can take pleasure and be honoured. Can you see here the importance of pleasing the Lord? Pleasing the Lord. It's a statement I've often flicked over in my Bible. But it's a very critical statement. Pleasing the Lord is central to the Christian life, isn't it? What about honouring the Lord? Giving him his first place. Because there is only one place for God to sit. And that's number one. The place of honour. You know, sometimes we can work very hard at something. Even things for the Lord. In church. Good things. We can sometimes work very hard. But it's not pleasing to the Lord. Or there's something still in us that's not pleasing to the Lord. I was reflecting on this statement, go up to the mountains, you know. And although it doesn't specifically mention the act of repentance, that turning away from your sins and walking in another direction, I believe it's a picture of it. Because surely in this scenario, this is repentance, this is turning in action. They're demonstrating the fact they're repentant and sorry with their action, the change of action. Repentance means a turning away from sin, a confession of sin, but there's something that follows it. There's an immediate turning from everything that we know to be wrong 
and then we walk in an entirely different direction. We go up the mountain. (laughs) There are places God wants to take us to and we feel like we're in a valley and he wants to lift us up. The psalm says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? He has a pure heart and clean hands. And you say today, like I might say, we don't have a pure heart and clean hands. Do you know who can make them pure? Do you know who can make your hands clean? God Almighty, through our Lord Jesus, can make us clean. And he can take us up to the mountain. Maybe we need to turn away from areas in our lives that we know are wrong. Places we know we shouldn't be. Things we know we shouldn't touch. Maybe we need to turn away from apathy and indifference because that in itself is a sin. That's a sin here. Thinking we can just sit back and ignore the priorities of God for our own personal life and for the church and for the local community. We have some practical examples of hard work with little results given here in the, in the scripture. The Lord says you expected much but it turned out to be little. What you brought home I blew away. And you say to yourself, why is it that this is happening? What is the cause for this? It says it very clearly. The Lord says, why? Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. Again, this is not saying, it's not, it's not saying you can't look after your family, your home, the needs of all of those things. That's not what it's saying. It's saying you're neglecting the work of the Lord by overemphasizing those things. You're out of balance. And again, I'm not going to stand here today and tell you I'm in total balance. We're under the Lord's grace and he brings to completion every good work he starts, including our own selves. Praise the Lord for that. But this is the cause. Wrong priorities. And what's the result? More results. Therefore, because of this, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. It's having an effect on the earth around them even. There's a drought in the fields and the mountains and the grain, the supplies. So what next? You might be feeling particularly depressed at this point. (laughs) This is not a good situation. The people have clearly turned their backs on the Lord. And there have been clear consequences for the fact that they've done that. So what happened next? Well, there's good news. Thirdly, obey the voice of the Lord. The good news is that the response of this people was immediate. It says there that uh, then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, and the whole remnant. Remnant's just a small group of people that were left there. And the people obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God, and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord, the God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. So notice first, the response was immediate. It's all too easy, as we've been saying here, to put off a response to God, to delay it until a convenient time, or until we're ready. We need to be quick and immediate to respond to the Lord when his voice comes clearly to us. But not only was the response immediate, it was also an obedient response. You know, we could be quick to respond and totally wrong in our action. Obedience to the word of the Lord to us is really important. In this particular case, the Lord had given a direct word to the people which demanded a response. 
And I just want to pick out two points about the people's response here. Firstly, the people realised that the Lord had sent the prophet Haggai. Just like we saw in the video, this was not man's words. The prophets were being divinely inspired directly from the Lord. Fact. It says there, they realised that the Lord had sent the prophet. And that God was speaking directly. And secondly, did you notice the very last part of verse 12? It says this, And the people feared the Lord. The people feared the Lord. This is a whole subject in itself, but it's a very important subject. In Proverbs 1.7, it says, Fear of the Lord is the foundation for true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. This fear we're talking about is a healthy fear. It's one which puts God first for no other reason but because he's God. That's a healthy fear. God deserves first place just because he does. And I shall revere him and I shall fear that position. You see, he's to be honoured just because he's God. His word must be obeyed. And sometimes do we not maybe lose this healthy fear of the Lord? Do we not maybe lose that sometimes just coming? Living the Christian life, singing songs, listening to messages. Sometimes we lose the healthy fear of the Lord by thinking that we can ignore his voice. Or ignore his position as first in our lives. And again, I'm going to say again, because I want to make this clear today. I'm speaking to myself as much as to all of us. I believe this works for us today. Not to discourage us, but in order that we can respond in the same way as this people. Because this was a good response. Remember, Amos came to people that were proud and didn't respond. This is a good message because this people obeyed the Lord. And I believe that's what God's asking for today. He's asking for an obedience. And today we have the Word of God, entire inspired Word from the Lord to guide us, to challenge us, and we can learn more and more about our great God. When you read through the word of God, you'll find it's extremely practical. It doesn't leave anything out. As we've just read there today, how much more practical can you get? It's very direct and it's very clear. Earlier in the video we watched, we heard from Hebrews chapter 1. I'd just like to turn to it again. It's on the screen. Hebrews chapter 1, starting verse 1. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance. And through the Son, he created the universe. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honour at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. Now, just like in the book of Haggai, a response is required to this word from the Lord. What are you building your life on? 
You know, Jesus told a story about two men who built houses in Matthew 7. I'll just read it to you. Matthew seven twenty four. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Are you building your life upon Jesus Christ? The old hymn says, On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Can you say that today from your heart? Jesus said, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You see that repentance in action? Go up to the mountain. There's something you need to do to respond. If you're a true believer in Jesus Christ today, are you considering these words and putting them into practice? Am I considering them and putting them into practice? Are we putting God first and realising that it's now or never that we need to give careful thought to our ways? If you've never taken the step of faith to believe in Jesus as your saviour you can do that today and you can do it just between you and God where you sit. Jesus is God's son who died for us on the cross And in that action, he took our sins upon himself. He took the punishment that we deserved. He then rose again, defeating the power of sin and the grave. And he did all of this so that we can be brought into a right relationship again with God. Sin is the barrier between God and man. And the Bible says, for all have sinned. None of us can stand here today and say we haven't sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And only Jesus' perfect life and his sacrifice for us can pay the price for those sins. Once and for all. You know, later on in Hebrews, we've been talking about the temple. Here's something to praise the Lord about. Jesus came and his sacrifice was once for all. In the day that we read of in Haggai, they had to repeatedly come and sacrifice and repent and, 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 and deal with sins over and over and over again. But our great high priest, Jesus Christ, God's beloved son, paid the price for our sins once and for all. We can't pray, we can't pay the price ourselves. Jesus' perfect life and sacrifice paid that price for us. But we need to respond. In faith... By seeking forgiveness for our sins. By turning from the old life. And don't just assume you've done this either. Don't just assume you've done this. Because we're not just talking about a head decision. And there may well be 
even here today, those of us that need to make that decision to take it from the head to the heart. To truly confess and remember that this confession is linked with repentance, which is I'm getting out of the things that I used to be in with God's strength and God's help. I'm going up the mountain. And if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. And then, back to the end of the scripture there. Fourthly, we have the Lord's promise. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work in the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th month of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. Very precise, isn't it? But here it says, I am with you, says the Lord. What a promise and what an assurance. And notice when the I am with you came. The I am with you came after. They were obedient. What an assurance. Jesus said in Matthew twenty-eight twenty, And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is a great promise made to every believer in Jesus Christ. Those who have truly repented of their sins and have received forgiveness from God. So it's time to rebuild. It's time to put God first. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word today. I pray, Lord, you would take it and speak specifically what you want to speak into the lives of us all here today. For those of us that are believers in Jesus, we ask for your forgiveness for the times when we haven't put you first. For those mixed up priorities, those things even done in your name which could have really been done in an honouring way to you. Would you help us, Lord God, in this place, in new beginnings, Moody's Burn, would you help us, Lord, to be truthful about these things with you? And to be like this people, to be like this people who honestly turn from their ways and just who honestly got to the work in hand. I thank you Lord God for the work you've already done in the coffee house. We know already demonstrated in there are people who are serving you. And we just acknowledge the importance of this Lord, the the heart issues Lord would you just speak to us about this and help us to remove anything Lord God that isn't honouring to you in the name of Jesus. And for those that don't know you as Saviour today Lord I thank you for your mercy and your grace you desire for all people to be saved. I just pray in Jesus' name that you'd speak to those, Lord, who maybe you're saying today they haven't actually taken this step, really taken this step. And if you haven't, just pray along with me. Father God, I thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you for loving me I thank you for your patience with me but I realise I have sinned and I fall short of your glory and I ask you to forgive me Father God for all of my sins and I ask you to help me to turn and walk the other way I repent of my sins. I ask you to forgive me. 
and cleanse me in Jesus' name. Jesus, I believe you died for me on the cross. I believe you paid the price for my sins. I believe there's no other way to be right with God than through Jesus. I ask you to be my Lord and Saviour. In Jesus' name. Father God, I thank you for our families. You love our families. And we know, Lord, where we sometimes fall short. I do and we all do. Lord, would you just help us to rebuild to be obedient to you in our homes and in our work and in our lives Lord God I thank you for this word to us today Lord and I just pray for the power to live it in Jesus name Amen